Greetings and welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on VHHA.com and popular podcast hosting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and many others. We're a member of the Public Health Podcast Network, the Virginia Audio Collective, and the Family Podcast Network. Podcast episodes also air each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 820 a.m. across Central Virginia, and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 FM in Richmond. Please send questions, comments, feedback, or guest suggestions to pcfpodcast.vhha.com. That's pcfpodcast.vhha.com. I'm Selena Lorth, VHHA, and today our guest is Dr. Aaron Shavinsky, a surgical oncologist and director of the Oncology Service Line for the Riverside Cancer Care Network. He joins us for a conversation about cancer and cancer care, how artificial intelligence technology advances are supporting cancer detection, and more. So welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for allowing me to uh, join you today. We like to start episodes by getting to know our guests a little better. We referenced your role with the Riverside Cancer Network a moment ago. Doing some research in preparation for this conversation, I see you are quite accomplished, having earned a medical degree and MBA and completing residency and medical fellowship trainings. You're a family man and a Virginia transplant originally from the New York and New Jersey area. Those few tidbits only scratch the surface of who you are. So if you would, please share with us and listeners a few things about your unique personal story. Well, uh, as you mentioned, I'm originally from the New York area. I went to college in New York City, did my medical school and residency in Long Island at Stony Brook, did a fellowship in uh, surgical oncology at Ohio State. And then I settled in northwest New Jersey in the Morristown area where I spent uh, over 20 years, uh, and at first in private practice, then as co-director of the Cancer Center and director of surgical oncology. From there, I moved to the Midwest and was director of surgical oncology for the Advocate Aurora Health System, which was 29 hospitals spanning uh, the area around uh, Wisconsin uh, and Milwaukee and into the Chicago area. Also, at that point, we started a fellowship in surgical oncology to help train the next generation. I've been very involved in uh, student, resident, and fellowship education my whole career. And in uh, 2022, I was given the opportunity to move to the Riverside Health System to become the director of oncology and service line director for the cancer program. And my role here really involves anything having to do with cancer. Uh, and I'm also a practicing surgical oncologist, so I see patients. I treat cancers, particularly breast, uh, hepatobiliary, pancreatic, and melanoma. Uh, and I'm happy to be here uh, representing the Riverside System uh, to talk a little bit about uh, what's available to our patients uh, in this region. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. So, cancer is the second leading cause of death in the United States after heart disease. It's estimated there are nearly 2 million new cases annually and about 600,000 deaths, which is more than 1,600 deaths a day. Some of the focus of your work is on caring for patients with complex and recurrent cancers and in performing surgery to treat breast, skin, stomach, and colon cancer, among others. When it comes to breast cancer, data indicates one in eight women will develop breast cancer in their lives. Annual mammograms are a common recommendation for preventative care and to facilitate early detection. I've read that Riverside is implementing AI technology in reading mammograms. We know that technology and medicine often leads to advances in patient care. Can you tell us how AI is being incorporated in breast cancer detection at Riverside? Yes, and understand that breast cancer detection is very important for women, uh, 
particularly those that are at higher risk. And of course, you know, we at Riverside are implementing a high risk program for women at higher risk as well. But the screening for, um, breast cancer usually involves the radiology studies, including mammography, ultrasound, and sometimes MRI. Uh, and uh, what we've been implemented here at Riverside, uh, and by we, I mean we have a whole system of physicians uh, in, our, in our departments that help to uh, bring these things to fruition. Uh, when we look at uh, reading mammography, uh, we've implemented both uh, new technologies in 3D mammography where uh, instead of taking four pictures of the breast on a standard screening, we're doing hundreds of pictures to really get a much better view of the breast. We've also uh, instituted contrast-enhanced mammography, and one of the newer things that we've instituted is uh, uh, artificial intelligence reading as a second read to the mammogram. In, in, in general, what a when you get a mammogram, the radiologist, the x-ray a physician, looks at those films and studies them. Most of these are computer-generated at this point. And uh, we now have, in addition to that, artificial intelligence to help bring to the forefront any areas of concern that might not be uh, as easily visible. And so uh, while the artificial intelligence is not reading the mammogram, it is pointing out to the radiologist who is reading the mammogram any areas that might require further investigation. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. So lung cancer is another serious cancer, and it is estimated that 1 in 16 people will be diagnosed with lung cancer in their lifetime, according to the Lung Cancer Research Foundation. We're recording this episode in December, just after November, which is Lung Cancer Awareness Month. Riverside Health System has been named a Screening Center of Excellence by the GoTo Foundation for Lung Cancer for its commitment to responsible lung cancer screening. As with breast cancer, detection can be critical in prognosis and outcomes. I know Riverside offers a range of services to patients in this area, including diagnosis, treatment screening, and survivor support. What can you tell us about the lung cancer care program at Riverside? Well, we have many physicians involved in our lung cancer program, and Virginia being in the tobacco belt, uh, there are uh, a lot of cancers related to tobacco that we see, lung cancer being the, the number one, but also a head and neck cancer and bladder cancer associated with uh, tobacco use. One of the things that we noticed uh, was that many of the cancers we were detecting were in later stages. And, and although there is certainly treatment available for all stages of lung cancer, what we really wanted to do was to try to uh, shift the curve a bit and detect the cancers at an earlier stage. One of the ways we did that was uh, to introduce what's called low-dose CT screening for people at risk, former or present smokers, where we screen them for cancer. But also, uh, we've instituted a lung nodule detection program where if any lung nodule is detected, even if the scan wasn't done for cancer, for example, you come into the emergency room because you have a kidney stone, they do some imaging, and they see a lung nodule. Well, that's really important for you and for us to notice. So we started a lung nodule detection program where anybody with a lung nodule that's detected will automatically be referred to our lung nodule clinic. Our lung nodule clinic is populated by our pulmonologists, 
who are specialists in the detection of cancer so that we can detect cancers at the earliest possible stage and get patients in within seven days to see a physician to begin the evaluation of those lung nodules. In addition, some of the newer techniques that we have available include navigational and robotic bronchoscopy that allow our physicians, our pulmonologists, to be able to identify and to biopsy uh, potential cancers. And we are showing uh, through some of the studies that we're doing uh, that we can really shift the curve and develop uh, techniques to identify cancers earlier so that the treatment can be less uh, intense and that the survivability is increased. Thank you so much for sharing that. And we mentioned that you work with patients who have complex and recurrent cancers. One of the things I read about you is your advocacy for patients going through diagnosis and treatment options. I have to imagine those conversations can be difficult. As a caregiver, how do you approach those moments so patients feel like they are being informed but also comforted and supported? The physician-patient relationship is extremely important. Uh, and the patient must develop trust in the physician to help them navigate that journey. And my role as a surgical oncologist and our role in cancer in general is to be the guide for that patient, to allow them to know what's available to them, to uh, answer any questions that they have, and to work with them, their family, their caregivers, to come up with the best plan for them. So the first thing is to really establish what are the patient's goals? What are they looking for when it comes to treatment? Uh, some people, uh, it's how, how can I extend my life the longest possible? Others, how can I improve the quality of my life? And others, it's some mix of those. And so establishing the patient's goals for therapy is extremely important when we, uh, um, out, when they have the outset. And then we review the data together, what we know, what we don't know, what we need yet to know to make an important decision. And then we review the treatment choices. What's available or what uh, what are the pros and cons of each choice and then we allow the patients to interact with their families with the health care system we have others that help us including our nurse navigators our nurses and our other allied health personnel for patients in whom cancers are more advanced we have our palliative care team uh, that's uh, really outstanding in helping patients navigate that journey Thank you so much. And we've mentioned the importance of screening and early detection in fighting cancer. Healthy behaviors for exercise and diet are also important. As a clinician, what message or advice do you offer to people about trying to reduce their risk factors? Well, uh, there are some risk factors that are generic to all cancers. Obviously, uh, some of the most important include not doing things which increase your risk of cancer and probably the uh, biggest one in that is the use of, uh, you know, uh, tobacco, smoking or uh, smokeless tobacco, uh, you know, chewing tobacco, which increase the risk of cancers of the lung, increase the risk of the cancers of the mouth, oral cavity, head and neck. So we counsel people and we have really uh, smoking cessation programs available uh, really uh, to all of our patients to alert them to what the risks are and how we can get them into uh, programs to help them reduce their risk. 
Other things like drinking alcohol to excess can increase your risk of things like liver cancer and cirrhosis of the liver. Uh, other things include environmental exposures and making people aware of some of the things like asbestos that they may have run into in their workplace that might increase their risk of things like mesothelioma. And then some of the other really important things, maintaining a good body weight, maintaining health fitness, eating a good diet, making sure you're getting proper uh, nutrition and minerals, maintaining uh, uh, a healthy exercise routine. And then, you know, looking at things like your family history, your genetic history, are there any particular risks that you might particularly be at risk for that we can help with? And one of the things that we've established here at uh, Riverside Health uh, and the Riverside Cancer Care Network is a uh, high-risk screening program for women at high risk for breast cancer. And, and things uh, that increase your risk of breast cancer include uh, both family history of cancers of the breast or cancers of the ovary and things of that sort. Also, uh, things like uh, menstrual history, uh, childbirth history, and uh, previous exposures to radiation. And so we have the availability to screen patients, let them know what their risks are, and if they're at higher risk, offer them a high-risk screening program to help reduce their risk through healthy diet, eating, diet and exercise, through the use of uh, medications that can sometimes help reduce the risk, through surgery that can sometimes help reduce the risk, and also by offering them enhanced screening. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much again for being with us today. To close things out, we do have a tradition on the Patients Come First podcast to ask our guests a pair of fun personal questions. To keep things interesting, we have a list of 10 mystery questions. So please choose two numbers between 1 and 10, and I'll ask you the corresponding questions. Uh, three. All right. Number three, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received, and why does it stick with you? The best piece of advice that I've ever received was from a mentor who said that you should care for patients like you're caring for your family. And that really has resonated with me because I always think of patients in that way. How can I best support them beyond just the medical, but emotional and other support that I can provide to them so that they can then help navigate their cancer journey? That's great advice. Um, do you want to pick another number as well? Sure. I'll pick number seven. Number seven. You could choose one superpower to have or any one skill to instantly master. What would it be and why? Well, uh, my superpower would be to uh, help ease the burden of the patients that I see with cancer. So many of them struggle uh, with so many different challenges in their life, and I would like to be able to ease their burden by uh, providing them with some help going forward. That is a beautiful answer. Thank you so much. And with that, that'll bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. And we want to once again thank our guests for joining us today. So thank you. And thank you for allowing me to join you.